There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Um, I mean, just like everyone, uh, we know that they have a very stout, very strong run defense. Uh, their, their linebackers are aggressive guys. And uh, we just look forward to the challenge. We know it's going to be a kind of inch-by-inch inch type of game, and we always look forward to those types of games, just kind of man-to-man, who's going to be more disciplined, who's going to win these battles each play. That voice you just heard was Nebraska senior offensive lineman and captain Matt Farniak, who's quickly rocketing up the charts as one of my favorite Husker quotes in 2020. He just talks about football in a way that indicates uh, he really gets it. Uh, he understands the nuance of the game. First, after Ohio State, he uh, said five yards can make a difference in reference to a, a fairly mundane false start penalty, but a penalty that really stopped a Nebraska drive before it had a chance to get started at a key moment in the, in the uh, first half of that loss to Ohio State. Then this week, talking about Northwestern, he, he perfectly encapsulated what it what it's really like to play the Wildcats. It's not a ton of fun. It is indeed inch by inch. We'll get into all of that as we go through the show here, previewing Nebraska and Northwestern. You're listening to the I-80 Preview Podcast. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel, and let's talk some football. Okay, to kick off the first half here, let's get into what Vegas had to say about this game. Uh, Circus Sports, which is a new Las Vegas sports book, but one that bills itself as as old school and kind of revels in its role as a market maker for, for college football, at least uh, gets those lines out about as early as anybody on Sunday. They opened this game at Northwestern minus three that that number surprised me a little. I thought it might be a, a point or two higher. And by midweek, it was up to, to three and a half minus four for the Wildcats. That's still pretty much coin flip territory, particularly when you factor in, two points or so for, for home field advantage, even in a reduced sense that uh, this year has, has foisted upon the, the poor home, home teams out there who, who don't have quite the intimidating atmosphere, at least in the Big Ten, that they, they would normally. So maybe the more topical way to phrase that, particularly this week, is, is too close to call. Uh, that's where the line started. It's holding pretty steady there. Get into the power rankings, and, and they give Northwestern a little more of an edge in this one. Uh, SP plus Bill Connolly's power ranking for ESPN, probably my favorite power ranking, or at least the first one I look at has, it doesn't see a ton of difference between Northwestern and Nebraska at this early stage. And of course the sample sizes are, are small, particularly in Nebraska's case, but it has the Wildcats at 30th nationally with a rating of 9.9, which is to say it views Northwestern as about 10 points better than the average team. That's exactly the ranking and rating that Nebraska started the season with uh, back in the preseason. So Northwestern's made some early gains. Nebraska fell a little bit. More on that in a second. Interesting thing about Northwestern's ratings here. uh, SP Plus rates the offense 101st nationally. And without the Pac-12 playing yet, those rankings only include about 105 teams. So 
We all saw the Wildcats score 43 points against Maryland in the opener. Looked good, but almost anything would look good compared to to what Northwestern did offensively last year. SP Plus is still kind of bearish on on the Wildcats offense. Defensively, uh, as usual, no concerns. (laughs) It rates the Wildcats defense third nationally, and, and that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. That's kind of the brand that... Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald has has built in Evanston. Get to Nebraska now. They dropped from 9.9, a rating of 9.9 in SP Plus to 6.6 after the, the loss to Ohio State, which this week ranked 42nd. So slight drop there. Nothing too big. Again, we've only got one game against a really good opponent to go to or to go on. Uh, but the battle lines here are pretty classically Nebraska Northwestern, they should be pretty clear. SP Plus has Nebraska's offense ranked 24th, has a defense ranked 73rd. So when Nebraska has the ball on Saturday in Evanston, it'll be good on good when, as far as these two programs are concerned. Use those two power ratings I just mentioned, factor in a little home field, and SP Plus sees this game at about Northwestern minus five and a half. So that was kind of the source of eh, maybe the actual Vegas line could be a little bit higher, but it's in range. FPI, another ESPN power ranking, has the the gap between these two a little bit larger. It puts Northwestern at 20th instead of 30th as it is in SP+. Nebraska's about the same, uh, 45th instead of 42nd. Do the same thing. Do the quick and easy math on that. And FPI sees this at about Northwestern minus 8.5, which is, is not quite coin flip territory anymore. So a little bit interesting. So when you're thinking about this game, know that at least in those two power rankings, that's that's the spread here. Okay, let's focus on some some key players to watch on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to do three aside, but I'm going to cheat on Northwestern. So I guess I'm actually not. Uh, number one, when, when considering the Wildcats, I think has to be the senior linebacking core of Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, and Chris Bergen. They've played 116 combined games for Northwestern, which is just an insane total. Um, for t- To have those three guys together, and for particularly with Fisher and Gallagher, for them to get on the field as early as they did as freshmen, you're just not going to find a group that has been together for as long a period as they have and really been successful throughout almost that entire, uh, entire stretch. I, I liken them to the Hadari brothers from Lone Wolf and Cub film series. They're savage, experienced, and efficient. And I know that's a very obscure reference, but trust me, Google it, uh, do a little bit of reading on it. It'll make sense. And those are great films. You should you should watch them if you, if you haven't. Um, these three linebackers are really kind of the teeth of what is a typically strong Northwestern rush defense. Nebraska offensive line coach Greg Austin this week called them the key to the, the the whole operation there. He also shouted out the the Wildcats defensive line for being disciplined and gap sound, uh, saying that the defensive line is always where they need to be and it's very hard to move them. And you think about how that plays with, with this veteran group of linebackers, it really frees those guys up to do what they do well, which is tackle, uh, remain assi- assignment sound, and nowhere to be at all times. So Nebraska is going to have to come up with a way to deal with that. And, and that's kind of the 
the, the chess match here uh, as I look at this game. I'm going to stick with defense for the second player on the Northwestern side. Keep an eye on uh, number 16, redshirt freshman safety, Brandon Joseph. He's coming on strong. He got into four games last year uh, as a true freshman while maintaining his redshirt and has really hit the ground running here early in 2020. He was named the Big Ten Co-Freshman of the Week last week after having two picks against Iowa in a 21-20 win. He's also fourth on the team in tackles with, with 11. Guess which three guys are ahead of him. So Joseph, he can, he can defend defend the pass, but he's also not afraid to come up and fit against the run. And you're going to see a lot more of the same from, from Northwestern in terms of, of how they defend people. They're just really, really sound and kind of put the onus on the offense to, to be better, which is a big challenge. Last for the Wildcats, we'll go to quarterback Peyton Ramsey. Uh, Husker fans should be a little bit familiar with him, at least based on last year when he played for Indiana and, and led the Hoosiers to a win in, in Memorial Stadium. But Ramsey's a guy who I kind of feel he's played a lot of football in the Big Ten and has been underappreciated a little bit throughout that entire stretch. But the guy just complete completes passes. He's, he's really sound in the passing game. He knows what he's doing. He's calm and comfortable back there. So far this year, he's completing 70.8%, which is great, but not a surprise. He was at 68% in 2019. He was at 66% in his first real playing time as a starter for for Indiana at that point. His total QBR this season is 82.4, which with how ESPN sets up that metric should equate to a 0.824 winning percentage. So that's, that's pretty high, ranks 12th nationally. And of course, the Wildcats are 2-0 at this point with, with two pretty good wins. He's been really the, the probably the biggest difference for, for Northwestern's offense. In, in 2019, the Wildcats put out one of probably the worst Power 5 passing offense that I can remember. You factor sacks into the totals, which you should always do um, because those are passing plays after all. Uh, Northwestern was averaging less than four yards per attempt. Which, which is insane. This year, they're back up closer to normal. It's, it's nothing that, you know, we're not talking about the air raid here and, and vintage Mike Leach by any means, but it's, it's something that Northwestern can hang its hat on. And the, and the run game in terms of production, whether that be yards or efficiency, really isn't that far off the pace of, of last year. So the Wildcats will still run the ball. They'll remain committed to it. But the passing game is what you have to worry about here. And Peyton Ramsey has been about as, as big of a revelation as really I think a lot of people thought he could be. He has has changed that offense. There's no shortage of options for key players on Nebraska's side. That's sort of the, the onus that Northwestern hangs on teams. You've got to be good just about everywhere to, to come away with a win. I'm going with these three, um, but had a number of others in, in the running. Uh, first is wide receiver Wandale Robinson. He had six catches on six targets for 49 yards against Ohio State. And in the week leading up to what was supposed to be the Wisconsin game, uh, offensive coordinator Matt Lubick said, Wandale probably needed some more touches. Um, I think most Husker fans came away feeling the same. And he gets he gets interesting in – in this matchup, you know, Northwestern will be well aware of him 
they'll defend him how and with whom they, they want. But you, you look at those kind of classic Big Ten linebackers who are very accomplished in many different ways, you'd still take your chances with, with Wandale Robinson against one of those guys, you know, out in the open field. And, and Nebraska is plenty happy to, to get creative with motions and formations uh, with what it's able to do with Wandale Robinson and, and maybe Luke McCaffrey too. Um, it'll be interesting to see a, a second dose of, of McCaffrey as well, but Robinson probably needs some more touches. Uh, he's one of Nebraska's best players on either side of the ball, just for comparison's sake in, in week one, Purdue without head coach Jeff Brom and without Rondale Moore targeted David Bell, a player who's, who's pretty similar to, to Robinson 21 times. <laughs> their, their game plan against Iowa was this is our best player and we're going to get him the ball as often as possible. I'm not saying Nebraska needs to do that um, to, to, to win this game, but I think everybody kind of goes in expecting Robinson to have a little bit bigger role in this one than he did against the Buckeyes. Number two on the list for me is is Luke Reimer, inside linebacker, walk-on, uh, who quickly became a scholarship player for, for the Huskers. He didn't make the trip to Ohio State. He was a little bit dinged up. It sounded like he was pretty much a game-time decision as to whether he was going to give it a try or not. I think he's one of Nebraska's more athletic linebackers, and based on everything we've heard, he, he makes that defense better. The big thing, though, with kind of the the grinded out game that this probably is going to be for long stretches, Nebraska starters at inside linebacker in Columbus, Colin Miller and Will Honus, basically had to play almost the entire game. So having Reimer available to to spell those guys could help, but he's also just a really good player. Uh, I want to see him on the field. I want to see him what he, what he can do. And this is the kind of game that feels a little bit tailor-made for how he plays football. Last, um, I'm going with safety Miles Farmer. Could have gone with a, a couple of different guys in the secondary, um, but and we don't have a ton to go on against with with Farmer. He he got into the game against Ohio State after Deontay Williams was ejected for targeting. Didn't put up many numbers, but wasn't noticeable for for doing anything too horribly wrong either. I, I mentioned him here because he was absolutely one of my favorite players in the 2019 class. I think he's got a super high ceiling and I'm excited to see him get some extended playing time. He, he's got to go in the first half because Williams due to the targeting rules is, is out for the first 30 minutes. So, so let's see what he can do. Um, Noah Pola Gates, another guy from that 19 class will probably get some snaps there at safety. And then at cornerback where Nebraska is also missing a starter in cam Taylor Britt due to you guessed it targeting. Um, We'll get, we'll get a long look at Quentin Newsom, and he, he's another guy. You, know, you look at that 2019 class, and I think there's a ton of potential in that, that secondary group. They're going to be put to the test here. I mean, Northwestern makes most of its hay offensively through the passing game, and we'll, we'll see what they can do. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty excited to see Farmer. If he plays well in that, that first half, it could mean things for, for Nebraska down the road, but it also kind of gives them a pretty good – foundation, I think, for what has, in almost every case, minus just a handful since 2011, been a pretty too, pretty close game between uh, the dueling and use. That brings us to halftime, where I'll turn it over to weatherman Rusty Dawkins for his forecast. Hopefully you saw and enjoyed Rusty's work two weeks ago across the various Hale Varsity platforms. Uh, 
weather is always a key component. People are super interested in it and we're happy to have Rusty bringing that to us this year and our, our readers. You can find him on Twitter at Husker Weather. Take it away, Rusty. Hi, everyone. This is meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with Hale Varsity for the I-80 Preview Podcast forecast for the Huskers game in Evanston, Illinois this weekend. That's just north of Chicago. And this time of year, it's starting to get a little chilly north of Chicago with highs right around the 50-degree mark. Well, not this year. We're going to be very warm for Saturday. We'll see mostly sunny skies all day. We're looking at a ton of sunshine, lots of blue sky all day, and very, very warm. Now, early in the morning on Saturday, starting off the day right around 50 degrees, which is around the average high for Evanston, Illinois on Saturday, a south wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Still sunshine at 11 a.m. for kickoff, and temperatures already near 60 degrees with a south wind at 5 to 15, maybe picking up a little bit with a gust out of out of the south at 20 miles per hour. Then by halftime, 1 p.m., temperatures could get into the upper 60s, maybe even around 70 degrees. To put that into perspective, the record high on Saturday for that area is 75. So very warm by halftime on Saturday. Then 3 o'clock in the afternoon rolls around, fourth quarter, and those temperatures still in the middle and upper 60s with a south wind at 10 to 20, possibly gusting to 25 miles per hour. But still very warm, very sunny, just a, a warm day for football. For more information on this forecast and updates, you can always find that on my Twitter account. That's at Husker Weather. And you can always find updates on HaleVarsity.com. Okay, second half. This is a pretty fascinating game on, on a number of levels for, for Nebraska in particular. I think first and foremost among those for me is it's, it's a real test um, through pretty difficult and unique circumstances of, of Nebraska's mindset and culture at this point under Scott Frost. You know, you, you had the catharsis of getting on the field in week one, and yeah, it was Ohio State, and yeah, it got out of hand in the, well, late stages of the second quarter and bleeding over into the, the third quarter. But there were, there were enough positives there to, to take from that game, I think, from a, from a Nebraska perspective. And he just had the, hey, it's, it's finally back. We're playing football again. Only to have that all disappear uh, in, in week two. And, and the disappointment of not being able to, to play and having to experience that twice uh, when you look at Wisconsin's decision to cancel and then the Big Ten's decision not to allow a game against Chattanooga. How, how does Nebraska respond to that? That would be a relevant question against Rutgers, but this is Northwestern, a, a team I once compared to reading a long, difficult novel. Um, we've all had that experience before, right? It's it's hard work. It's it's not enjoyable. It's it's not the beach read that that you blow through quickly, but you hope that when you get to the end of it, you feel pretty good about yourself. It's just getting there. That's that's the the process and. Northwestern plays football that way, I guess, if you want to uh, tie that into the sterling academic reputation at, at that school, that fits too. So is Nebraska ready and willing to do the the tough reading? Because playing Ohio State is as big a challenge as it gets in the Big Ten, but you at least had the excitement of, hey, we're playing. Now you've, you've got a little bit of, of grunt work to do. Credit to the Wildcats for uh, always being always being the Wildcats. Uh, it's been this way since Nebraska got in the conference. How does Nebraska win this game? Like we did uh, for, for Ohio State, I'm going to stick with the kind of three-pronged plan here 
of, of areas I'll be watching most closely on on Saturday. Um, again, Northwestern gives you no breaks, so it's it's tough to be to have an off day in in just about any area and, and come away with a win. That's that's why Northwestern is so insanely odds defyingly good. At, at winning close games. And, and, and as we know, um, most Northwestern Nebraska games find a way to get to that point. First and foremost, um, the thing I'm going to be watching most closely without a question is the black shirts have to win the majority of time on third down. That's a basic football thing. You could say it about any football game, but for this 2020 Northwestern offense, it practically glows in neon purple. Here's, here's what I mean. Northwestern's game notes for this game uh, sort of took a strange sort of pride, at least in, in my response to it, in noting that all three of the Wildcats' touchdowns last week in that one-point win over Iowa came on third down. Now, that, that's great. It's, it's better than not getting those touchdowns. But I, I, I sort of chuckled and, and stopped and said, but wait, is that, is that really a good thing? That means three times uh, Iowa was one play away, most likely, from, from getting off the field. And this, this gets a little bit interesting when you dig into it with, with what, what Nor- Northwestern's doing so far this year and, and how they're doing it. They're 12th nationally with a third down conversion rate of, of 51.4%. Good work if you can get it, but it's a little bit like deciding to write that term pe- paper 9 p.m. the night before it's due. You can pull it off. Uh, you just wouldn't want to make a habit of it. And, th- and that's kind of where Northwestern has been through two games this season. To, to better illustrate this, I think a, a better way to look at it is to go back to our old friend Predictive Points Added, which is just a, a measure based on yardage to go down and distance um, and the result of plays of, of how much value you're adding to drives. Uh, Northwestern so far this season ranks 67th nationally in first down, uh, predictive points added. So below average in, in a year where we don't have a full 130 teams playing. A little bit better on second down, 59th nationally. And then on third down so far, Northwestern jumps to ninth nationally. That's, again... It beats the alternative, but that's not the kind of rhythm or pattern you would want for a, a, a quote-unquote healthy offense, I guess would be the word that I would use there. It's just to, to, to constantly be on maker breakdowns that often is, is a long-term problem. Um, and, and, you know, you might end up in a year, particularly in a year where there's, there's only nine games plus a bowl game, you know, so... College football always has a, a sample size problem, but it's even elevated in, in this shortened season. Like maybe the cards are just in your favor. Maybe Peyton Ramsey's just that good. Um, but you'd want to you'd want to stay out of that trouble rather than try and get out of that trouble. And, and Northwestern has struggled to do that. This is particularly interesting because Nebraska was not good at all. Uh, in this category against Ohio State. You know, you can probably think back to that game and think of a couple key third or fourth downs that would have kept Nebraska in that game longer and, and potentially really changed the momentum in it if they'd gotten one of those early third down stops. So 
Nebraska has got, got some work to do on that front. And if they struggle on third down, if they struggle to take advantage of the advantageous situations they create for themselves defensively, it, it's a problem because I fully expect Nebraska to hold up pretty well against Northwestern on, on first and second down. They've been pretty conservative play calling wise. Um, they're content to run it, even if those runs aren't breaking for, for big gains or even on schedule gains. Uh, they'll, they'll stick with the run and, and try to use it to open up the passing game. And so far, they've, they've been able to get away with it. Um, Nebraska needs to find a way to make that not the case on Saturday. Point number two for Nebraska in this game. Will the Huskers do the dirty work in the run game? I was just talking about how Northwestern has been willing to. Um, I think Nebraska will too. Um, this offense is at its best when it's finding ways to, to run the football. Uh, as, as we've talked about previously on, on previous episodes, that was one of the big differences for, for the Huskers between 2018 and 2019, just the amount of success they were able to have running the football. Uh, so, so is Nebraska willing to kind of hammer away at the wall for a while, knowing that it may have some gains later on in the game, even if you're not seeing them right away? Iowa wasn't last week. It, it, I'm, I'm still shocked by it. The Hawkeyes threw the ball 51 times against Northwestern. It was the most pass attempts for an Iowa team since 2014. The run game in that the Hawkeyes run game wasn't going gangbusters by, by any means. Northwestern had a 35% stuff rate. means that a th- more than a third of Iowa's runs were stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. The Hawkeyes were only averaging 3.5 yards per carry when you take out I think there was one sack in that game, but I was rushing success rate was 45%. It was doing just enough to stay on schedule, even if it looked unimpressive much of the time. And this is kind of classic drudgery that that Northwestern team puts you through all the time. I think Nebraska's a little bit better suited to, to have some more success. I would be surprised if it, if it got away from the run game early, but you never know. And, and I think that'll be kind of, Another key area that you'll be able to tell pretty early on how things are going in, in 2018 in that what was almost what, what should have been, if not for an outright collapse in, in the fourth quarter uh, defensively for the Huskers, what should have been the first win of the Scott Frost era, Nebraska rushed for 238 yards on, on 5.2 yards per carry. Again, sacks removed from that had a 47.9% success rate when running the football, which is the third best against Northwestern since 2018, that rushing success rate dropped to, to 23% last year. Um, which, which shocked me at the time. I remember writing my post game column from, from last year's 13, 10 win over Northwestern. And I don't know if it was negative. I was just extremely skeptical of the result because I thought Nebraska was set up to play pretty well in that got some feedback from, from some readers on that column that maybe it was, a little too pessimistic, but Nebraska didn't play well against a team I thought it should have played well against. And they went on to win one game from there, which is not say, well, you nailed it. You pegged it. I'm just saying that these, these sorts of, you can, you can tell a lot by, by what teams are able to do when you look at these games as, okay, this is where they should be expected to have some success. If they have success here, it would be totally outside of the norm. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I try to do with, with each of these previews is to, to arrive at that 
I don't know if it's understanding, but at least a a better estimation of of what might what might be to come. Divinus Zigbo was huge in that 2018 game, had 159 yards rushing. Surprisingly, the quarterback run game wasn't a big part. I think that could change a little bit with just the ability to use McCaffrey in in some different ways. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska's quarterbacks were a little bit more involved this time this time around. But more than anything, I think this could be a big game for Dedrick Mills. He was surprisingly lightly used against Ohio State would be the way to put it. Uh, but this would be a good day to have a great day for for him. Uh, back to that clip that kicked off the show with with Matt Fardiak in kind of classical line fashion. He said, "This is the kind of game those guys love, which which is what they always say." But it 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 does set up for that. Um, Nebraska's O line is is better than it was a year ago. I think again, that's based on one game, but I, I expected them to be better. Uh, can they show it? Because this is a game where it probably has to look that way. All right, third key to the game for for Nebraska, not the. Uh, sexiest uh, statistical category, I guess, but sometimes football isn't very sexy. Nebraska has to find some short fields. And again, yes, that's the case in every game, but it's been a particular problem for, for Nebraska for two years now, and that didn't change against Ohio State. It's hard enough going against kind of a, a classic Buckeye defense. It's even harder when when every drive has to go basically 75 yards or more. You almost have to be perfect offensively with that. And, and, and like I said, Nebraska has kind of struggled with this against most teams um, over the past two seasons. Northwestern, surprisingly, hasn't been one of them. And, and typically the Wildcats aren't the most dynamic offense uh, in, in most years. So that might have a little bit to do with it. But in 2018, Nebraska actually had a nine-yard field position edge. Uh, which was big, didn't result in a win. Um, and, and Northwestern's defense, credit to them, did a really good job of Nebraska, I think, had two interceptions in that game. Uh, when presented with a, a short field, was able to get some stops against Nebraska. Both teams had 90-plus yard touchdown drives in that game, which you don't see happen too often. But that's one of the good examples here of, of Nebraska having that field position edge, which has been all too rare. Last year, uh, it was basically dead even. Nebraska's average drive started 72.3 yards from the end zone. Northwestern was at 72.1. So you call that a wash. And, and you had a game that could go either way at the end of it. You know, it was 10-10. Northwestern had a drive to potentially take the lead. And kind of uncharacteristically, a penalty basically killed that one. Forced a, forced a stop on, on the ensuing drive had another chance to take the lead and threw an interception. It was the one turnover in that game and it led to the game-winning field goal for for Nebraska. And that was really the only difference between the two. So certainly not a field position is never a category that you you want to lose uh, by any means, but against teams like this, against teams like Iowa or Wisconsin, they're so good at engineering that edge for themselves that that to lose it really puts it really kind of provides a boost to to offenses that 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 typically need it um nebraska's offense isn't one that typically needs it 
But man, things would, would sure be a lot easier if they could just mix in a, a 60 yard field, much less anything shorter than that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, how do you, how do you engineer field position? It's kind of a tough question to answer. I'll never forget Tom Osborne when he was on the college football playoff selection committee um, being asked about the numbers he looks at. And he, he talked about field position and, and basically classified it as paraphrasing here, but as a, a kind of overall health check on the efficiency, efficiency and ability of a football team. And, and you think about that, and I, I guess special teams is kind of the first thing we think about with, with field position, particularly as it relates to, relates to punting, um, but also kickoff return. I know a lot of people asked about Nebraska's decision to fair catch most of, most of its kickoffs, um, kickoff receive against Ohio State. Yeah, it's not a ton of fun. Uh, you, you kind of feel against an opponent like that. Maybe it's worth taking a swing or two, but Ohio State's so good at kickoff coverage over the years um, that it kind of felt kind of felt like a defensible strategy to me there. But I think the bigger thing for Nebraska finally getting some better field position on, under this coaching staff really starts defensively. They just don't force many three and outs. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. I think that, well, I don't think I, I looked up there. They're at a 20% three and out rate since the start of the 2018 season. Big 10 average is 25 really good elite defenses will be up around in the upper thirties. Um, so Nebraska has got a ways to go there. We talked about third down as their first kind of blinking neon sign in, in this game. Um, that would be all third downs getting some quick stops would, would be a big deal for, for Nebraska, just putting itself in, in more advantageous positions. And you need that against Northwestern. It doesn't have the star power of Ohio State, um, but it, 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 it just has a, a defensive culture that I think stems from Fitzgerald. And we're all well aware of who he is and what kind of player he was. And, and they've maintained that for 15 years now. Uh, Northwestern is a super impressive football program. And I know that, you know, you may not, you don't have college football playoff or Big Ten championships to point to to prove that. But you think about where that program was 20, 30, 40 years ago and, and what Fitzgerald has been able to do with it. Really, they've had two down years. Um, there was year one, which every coach gets a pass in, where they won four games. And then last year. Northwestern won three games. Everything else has been about 500-ish. That's kind of their their base level. And then we, of course, you know, can can think of the years where Northwestern jumps to to ten wins or nine wins and and flirts with division titles, and and, and is that kind of team. So far in 2020, and it's it's still really early. Uh, this year's Wildcats are looking more like the nine ten win. I know we won't can't get to to ten wins without a bowl game in this season. But in terms of overall ability, that's what I've seen from, from Northwestern so far. But but I still kind of like this matchup for Nebraska. Like I said, you know, here at the kickoff of the second half, it's it's a pretty good test. And it's maybe it's not as kind of a high leverage game as, as Wisconsin would have been uh, for the podcast I prepared for but never recorded because that game died on the vine, unfortunately. That was that was really my characteris- characterization of that game. This game isn't drastically different. Um, if Northwestern gets to three and zero, 
with Wisconsin having to cancel again this week against Purdue, um, Wildcats might be a solid favorite in, in the Big Ten West. If Nebraska can get to one and one with Penn State, which is winless at this point, but do not write that team off. Um, they're going to be just fine. They're going to be good. That game's going to be the challenge that everyone thought it would be back in the preseason. Um, Nebraska getting to one and one would be a really big deal. The Huskers are still kind of, you know, two plus years into this, I think, looking for that perfect, perf- perfect proof of concept win. It doesn't mean there haven't been good wins uh, for for Nebraska over over this, this stretch under Frost and staff. Uh, there haven't been as many as anyone would like, but they, they've had some good wins. But you're still looking for that one where you can say, okay, what these coaches are telling me as a player works. And, and here are the results. And maybe normally we don't put Northwestern in that category, but I would this year. Uh, I would at this specific time in a very strange year. I think it can be that kind of game for Nebraska. Now, can they go out and do it? That'll wrap episode three of the IED Preview podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed my conversation with Hale Varsity Deputy Editor Aaron Sorensen last week as we kind of had to, (laughs) it's tough to do a preview without a game to preview, Um, but we had plenty to talk about. so, So hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you're enjoying this kind of preview. I tried to move a little bit more quickly this week uh, to get through some things because it's a solo podcast. I know listening to one person talk for for that long, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it might not be what anybody signs up for, but definitely let me know what you think of the show. Uh, if you have any feedback, there is an email associated with the show. It's just i80 at hailvarsity.com. You can reach me there or you can find me on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Uh, always happy to chat there. If you have questions, particularly about the game ahead, I don't. I try not to spend a ton of time reviewing with this show coming out on Thursdays. I think people are have moved past the, the Huskers' previous game at that point. But if you watch games this weekend, well, we know you'll watch the Nebraska game. But if you have questions about Penn State, how they're doing things, uh, something you want me to look into, reach out, and uh, I'll be happy to do that. You can take questions, uh, or at least read questions and answer them here on the show. Um, but yeah, subscribe, like the podcast, rate the podcast, check out all the podcasts on the ever-growing Hail Varsity network uh, of shows. Consider a subscription to the magazine, and we'll talk next week. A Huda Media Production.